Well, good morning. We are concluding our series today, Dangerous Prayers, just to kind of give you a little bit of a recap of where we've been. We've been praying different prayers that, that really, if prayed, if engaged upon, if like truly, if you embrace it and think about it and meditate it on it and pray these prayers, it changes your life. That's why we're calling them these dangerous prayers. Um, our first week, we talked about the prayer, search me, which really is a prayer of awareness, a prayer of opening yourself up to say, God, what are you doing in my life? God, who am I? God, what sins in my heart, what sins in my life still need to be worked on? God, what are you doing in my life? Kind of churning that mirror instead of at everybody else back to us. Looking at ourselves, search me. And the prayer of search me, that prayer of awareness, it leads to, really leads to repentance. It really leads to a point of saying, you know what, I am not where I want to be. I need to fully repent, fully look to God, fully embrace um, what God is speaking to me about and embrace God's grace. Uh, Last week we talked about Uh, The prayer, break me. And really that's a prayer of authority. It's a prayer of who is in control, who is going to be ruling your life. Um, And that prayer, if prayed, leads to releasing our control to God and being open to whatever God has for us. Being open to not just uh, running our own life the way that we want to but allowing God to. Today, we're going to pray the prayer and think about the prayer, send me, send me. And this prayer is kind of a prayer of availability, a prayer of openness, a prayer of like, I am willing. And it leads to really a lot of open doors. It leads to opportunities. It leads to an incredible witness that we can have in the world if we fully engage this prayer. The other two prayers really lead up to this one. And if we, if we say the prayer, search me, it's probably the most revealing prayer of the three. It will tell us the most about kind of ourselves. But that will lead us you know, to say, really, the most difficult prayer, which is break me, like I release all control. But inevitably, if we do that, this is the road that it takes us down. That the, really the most dangerous prayer of all, three, is this one. Send me. And there may be all kinds of different thoughts that you have when it comes to this. I think a lot of times in our head, we start thinking about like dramatic things that God has called people to do. Maybe you know stories or you've heard of missionaries that go to the ends of the earth and go to dramatic places and they come back with stories from the Amazon rainforest and they come back with stories about what's going on and like their confrontation with people with machetes and all this kind of stuff and you're like, that's okay. You know what? I love hearing those stories. But let's just keep them as stories from thousands of miles away. We don't want to pray this dangerous prayer sometimes because we feel like maybe God will put us in a place that is this kind of crazy. God will lead us in a direction that maybe we don't want to go. When I was a kid, there was this, this goofy song 
Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard it here, but there's this goofy song, Christian song, that said, God, please don't send me to Africa. And it was a little song based on that, just saying, uh, do you want me to sing it? Okay. Does anybody in this world, has anybody in this room heard of this song before? Okay. It's like, please don't send me to Africa. I don't know. I don't know how, how it goes. That, that's all I got. That's all I got. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Um, so it was just kind of this song uh, with this kind of idea in mind that it's like, if I say a prayer, God, like, send me. I've heard stories of people going to crazy places. I don't know if I want to do that. But really, inevitably, if you say the two previous dangerous prayers, it leads to this place. It does. And there is a thread throughout Scripture over and over and over that people who have said, God, search me, God, break me, that God then shows up and he calls them to do something. He calls them to participate in what God is doing in this world. He calls them to live a life that is a witness to the world. And that is scary, and that is dangerous. It's a dangerous prayer. Well, there's lots of different responses that people have, even in the scripture, to um, this, you know, like, Kind of this message from God, God calling, God saying, I need to send you somewhere. This, this calling that comes on high from God. And I can, I can think of many different times in my life where I felt like God was calling me, leading me, pushing me. I remember when I was about in eighth grade, I went to a large youth convention in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was a big deal. And there, I was one of the younger ones in our group. There was a lot of older kind of high school kids that were way more spiritual than me. And they were like thinking about, and they had talked about like, maybe some of you would be missionaries, would be pastors and all this stuff. And they had a big dramatic thing. And I remember sitting there and we, we like a bunch of people went up and said, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And I remember like hanging out and people being like talking about it and having like so much thought about it. And I was like, no, thanks. That's all right. Not for me. And I was like, Hey, what are we doing for dinner? And I was like, totally not there. But later on in life, as I, I, I continue to, to try to open my heart to God, and it was actually the next year that I opened my heart to God in this way. I said, um, I was challenged in our church to read through the scripture on our own, not just like, uh, you know, hear it from other people, to just start reading the Bible on your own. And I did, and it led me to a point where, you know, when I was about 14, 15 years old, that I felt like God was saying, hey, you know what? I have something for you that's different than like baseball, okay? There's more of the life than stuff like that. And there's moments in time, if you go down roads where you're saying, God, search me, God, break me, it will lead to a moment where God says, I have a call for you. And that was really Jesus' last words on earth where he says, go and preach, proclaim. Go and share the love of Christ with other people. Go and be a part of what I'm doing in this world. That is where it leads. That's where dangerous prayers lead. 
And so here's some responses that different people, even through Scripture, have had. And maybe you've had, and I think I can relate actually to all of them. Is that in the, in the Bible there was this character, Jonah, that you've probably heard of, that was God called him. And he says this, he says, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because of its wickedness is come before me. There was, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. And you maybe heard the story. That's kind of one of those like favorite kid stories because it seems so um, outlandish and crazy where he is on the boat and the storm comes. They throw him overboard and he gets swallowed by a fish and sped up on the shore uh, by Nineveh. Um, hopefully, if we like kind of respond like Jonah that says, you know, he kind of said, here I am, I'm not going. Hopefully, you know, we don't get like all of a sudden like abducted or zapped or something like that to that place. But that's kind of, that was the dramatic story of Jonah. But there are times in life where we hear that like we need to do something, we need to respond, we need to act. And we just kind of put the blinders on and we say, you know what, God, I'm not going. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to respond. We keep, we put our head down and just keep walking. Keep minding your own business. It's kind of like when you go downtown and there's lots of like homeless people asking for change. You just walk with a purpose, focus straight ahead and walk fast. And that's kind of, in a way, what sometimes we do. We don't want to look at the stuff around us because it's messy and difficult and challenging and hard. And so we say... Here I am, Lord. I'm not going. And that's sometimes the response. Sometimes the response is this. And in the Bible, Moses, the character that's so critical. um, And we're going to actually look at his life in detail in our next series coming up. But Moses was the was the person that God is calling to lead the Israelites out of slavery for this to be an important changing event and God shows up and it says this says so so now go I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go so uh, to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt he's like who am I he kind of said here I am send somebody else here here I am like somebody else needs to go. Send my brother who's better at speaking. Send somebody else. And maybe you've had that response before. Maybe you've even been in like places like this, right? Churches where we're like saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And um, I've been there. You've probably been there. It's like, that sounds great. Somebody else do it. Somebody else do it. And sometimes... That is our response. We want to look and we, we want to say, hey, there's t- people that are more talented. There's people that like have more experience than me. There's people that know more than me. There's people like that are definitely better suited than me. So you know what? Send somebody else to do that. And unfortunately, I think kind of in our modern church world, Because of kind of the rise of kind of professional pastors. I think this has been more and more kind of the feeling of the experience of Christianity. Is it's like, hey, you know what? That's what the pastor does. 
That's what, that's what those people do. And I'm there to, you know, kind of watch and cheer them along and do those types of things. And it's easy to kind of fall into that category, to look around and say, somebody else will take care of it. I got problems of my own to worry and think about. So here I am, send somebody else. Send somebody else to do it. Anybody but me. But the response, if you really want to walk down this road of a dangerous prayer, is the response that Isaiah had. And that's what I want to really look at today. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to read how Isaiah the prophet responds to um, also a call. How he responds when God shows up and says, there's a need. When God intervenes in his life and says, there's something to be done. So in Isaiah chapter 6, it says this. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, two wings that covered their faces, two that covered their feet, and two that were flying. And they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So this is the response and this is the challenge that I have for you. And of course, like I've said every week, these are difficult, dangerous, challenge prayers. Prayers that go beyond just looking at ourselves and God saying, hey, take care of my problems. And really, all of these prayers have kind of focused the attention instead of on our own self, our, our own desires, our own like problems that we have on life into others. But this one in particular, it's a change that is something that Jesus uh, demonstrated and talked about over and over with all the people that followed him. Is it, was, it was this movement from being a person that is like focused in on like my journey, my stuff, where I'm at, to others. And I think this is like kind of a real defining line and a real defining moment in a relationship with God. And I think it's a place that maybe sometimes some people never get there. And we all need to be aware and gracious and understanding that we're, we're walking towards and trying to figure out this relationship with God. And uh, we want to make sure people have plenty of time to think that through, to pray, to grow. And that's what a church is for. But there's a moment in time where it changes. 
And that's a defining mark, I think, in somebody that moves from like learning about God, deciding to follow God, and somebody that is like a true disciple. Somebody who is a true like follower of God and is like being led by God. Is that there's a change and a shift instead of it just about me, it's about others. And you know, today is Mother's Day. It's a perfect like kind of analogy and picture that we can draw. Is that there is a moment in time when you become a parent where everything changes. Up until the point where like you're a parent, even even like adulthood and marriage, these things, it's still you can live in a world where it's about you, right? Where most of your decisions are about yourself. Most of your, like, what you decide to do on the weekends, what you decide to do with your career, what you decide to do with your time, most of it is about you. But there's a point in time, if you step into parenthood, it changes, right? Right? It changes. And guess what that, that's, it's called maturity. And it's called growing up. And it's called getting to a point where it's not just about what, like my development, my like journey. It's about somebody else. And, I, and those of you in this room who are parents can think about that moment. And you, it probably hit you like a ton of bricks, right? Where those moments in time where it was like kind of like life, yes, there's some challenge. Yes, there's some decisions there's a little bit of responsibility and then that moment in time where you hold your child for the first time and you're like, okay, this is getting real, right? I remember, I remember that moment. I remember that first night in the hospital at Jane Phillips Medical Center in Bartlesville, Oklahoma in January of 2006. Okay, all right. I know how old he is. I just had to do the math real quick, okay? I remember that night, and I remember it vividly. And I remember holding my son and thinking, what have I done? (laughs) And realizing that, like, Friday nights going, like, out to eat and going to the movies was probably over. And it was. And it was more diaper changes and late nights and in, in other ways. Not because I was watching movies. Um, late nights comforting my whiny son, okay? Um, but this changes everything, right? We all get that. We all can relate to that. This is a dangerous prayer of maturity. This is a point in time in our Christian faith where all of a sudden we look around And the reason that we're going down this journey is not for ourselves, it's for others. That is an incredible shift. That is an incredible change. I I, I remember kind of as that shift emerged in my own life, like, you know, it it, it was different. I just saw things different. Let me, uh, you know, there are moments in time I... I, um, uh, must admit, there's times where you show up to church and like it's possible, imagine this, that the message is not necessarily even for you. There's po- points in time where you show up in this community and you do stuff like that and it's not like for you. 
It's because that shift is taking place and you say, I am at a place now where, God, here I am. Send me. How can I help somebody else in their journey, in their walk? How can I help somebody else walk through in this way? I was thinking about my own mother uh, this week. And it's appropriate. I'll see her this afternoon. Send her a little Facebook message and tell her I was saying wonderful things about her. Okay. Um, But my mother uh, had an incredible journey. And sometimes, because my father is a pastor, sometimes, you know, you think of like these kind of send me moments as the person who is the pastor. But when I was reflecting on it this week, my mother is a profound story of this. She... My dad was, grew up as a farm kid and always like, wanted to go to the big city. Like Since he was a little kid, he wanted to move out of the country and go to the city, and that's all he wanted to do with his life. Uh, he has a, a younger brother that uh, stayed on the family farm and is a farmer, and my dad, as soon as he turned 18, he wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted out. He wanted off to college. He wanted to do big things. He wanted to go to the biggest city he could, and he wanted to like, get out of the country life. He did not have any interest in being a farmer whatsoever. And so that was kind of his perspective in life. My mom also grew up on a farm. And she would be perfectly happy in life to stay in a place like that. Perfectly happy. But she got uh, hooked up with somebody that had other plans. And she, like, followed along. And my dad, like, moved from... Uh, you know, farm country to Denver, Colorado to start a church because Denver was one of the fastest growing cities in the country. And he's like, we're going to Denver. And he would want to come downtown. And I remember as a kid, we'd go downtown and we'd go do stuff like that. And he loved it, like downtown and walking around. And my mom was terrified. She hated driving in Aurora. And I remember like all over and, and she would not drive downtown. She would not drive at certain places. She did not like driving at night. She hated the traffic. And she was like, always freaked out and stressed out by all of it and she would love to kind of go to the country read a book and be away from the craziness well a few years ago um my dad did something that wasn't that surprising for my dad because my dad is kind of that kind of guy is he like moved and uh, quit the church he started and, and said, I'm going to start a church in the most difficult city or place in the city of Aurora. The most dangerous neighborhood, the worst neighborhood. I'm going to start something right there, right in the middle of it. And I'm going to move there. And all of us looked at my mom and said, Mom, really? We didn't, we expected of dad. But I was looking at my mom, I was like, Mom, you're going to drive down there? What are you going to do? Are you going to ever leave the house? She's like, well, this is where we're going. We're going to do it. Go on an adventure. And uh, she uh, also, uh, after that, after a little bit of time, quit her job at the um, uh, child care center that she started and went and started, uh, be, she is now the curriculum director at a school right there where they live. That all of, um, she is the preschool and curriculum director for uh, the preschool of a school where there's high school students that have children and are trying to finish high school. And 
Um, so it is a different world. And that's where she's at. In the ghetto of Aurora. And that's where she lives. She's going around, showing us around and stuff like that. I was like, Mom, who in the world are you? This is crazy. This is a journey. But throughout it all, I think she just always said, all right, here I am. Send me. Where's this adventure going to go? This is uncomfortable. This is beyond my comfort zone. I'm willing to do it. And there are times where God is going to call us to do something that stretches, that's difficult, that's challenging. That's why it's a dangerous prayer. Let's look a little bit more at Isaiah's experience. And Isaiah has this pretty profound vision. Some of the the pictures you see here are similar pictures to what you see like the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, where it's kind of these like these like otherworldly type of images that he's seen. And he is obviously seen. This is a dramatic picture that he knows clearly it's God. And God is showing up and says, somebody has to be my mouth. Somebody has to speak and proclaim to people that they're going down the wrong path. And there's different things that he just, he kind of goes through as he's open to the point where he says, send me. And it mirrors in some ways some of the prayers we've been saying. Is that, you know, at first he has this genuine experience with the presence of God. He has this clear moment in time where he realizes it and recognizes God is speaking. God is there. God has clearly shown up and he's told me something. I know that like it would be nice if we had like angels and coals and all kinds of stuff going on every time like we had a question about stuff. But this is obviously a dramatic moment. That's why it's recorded. But let's make no mistake about it. That like we have to be open to the fact that God speaks. We have to be open to a genuine experience with the presence of God. And if you walk down these roads and you say prayers like God search me, God break me. And if you're humble and your heart is open and you're listening, you will have a genuine experience with God. And it will be clear. And in many ways, the scripture is written in a way so that we know exactly what God is calling us to. So there's general things in life that we can already say that we hear and we know that we've had an ex- that God has spoken and we can follow that lead. God has said go and we can follow in that direction. We all know generally that God says love your neighbor. Well, there you go. That is something that you should be sent to do right now, and there should be no question about it. That is clear. It has been proclaimed. It is not like, um, it is not a suggestion. That is something you need to do, and you can go now if you say, God, I'm open for that, is love your neighbor. And if you don't know where to start, like, who lives next door to you? Who lives next door to you? Start praying, start being open. That maybe I could be the first person that represents the love of Christ to them. But you have to have kind of that genuine experience with the presence of God where you like start to soften your heart and open up yourself to listening to what God is saying and nudging and speaking to you about. 
You know, like I told you last week that that, that second prayer is really difficult and it's challenging. That break me prayer. It's probably um, the most painful of all the prayers that we've talked about. And so I took the day on Monday off to kind of just take some extra time to pray. I found out a couple of months ago, I get three personal days a year. I didn't know this. I was like, personal day. That's awesome. (laughs) So I took the day on Monday. I went and um, I kind of like got away a little bit, did some, uh, did some, a little bit of work and stuff like that, but really spent a lot, a big portion of the day just kind of praying, reflecting, thinking, all those different things. And, and really, I, I needed that moment because there's so many times in my life that I'm so caught up in everything else that is going on, I allow no space for a genuine experience in the presence of God. I don't allow for it. And so for us really to be ready and prepared for that, we have to be open to hearing God's voice. First, start with the things that you know, but then be open to whatever else God is leading you towards. Another thing that it shows and it demonstrates in this passage is that, you know, in verse 5, as soon as Isaiah has this vision and God speaks to him, he is very aware of his sinfulness, very aware of his limitations, very aware of the fact that he has like he's broken and needs to be poured out very aware of the fact that it's only by the grace of God that he will be saved I think we have to come to that place of genuine awareness of our sinfulness to get beyond like maybe like that tendency to kind of focus and like put our head down and not be aware of like what's going on all around us I had an opportunity yesterday. I I traveled to Nebraska because I'm a part of a committee that interviews people who want to be pastors. And I heard one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard from someone that is going to be ordained as a pastor this summer. Where he like went through drug addiction and all these kind of things. But it was a moment in time like in one moment where he was driving down the road and all of a sudden it just struck him. That like all the things that are going on in his life was leading towards destruction. And he was just broken and was overwhelmed by God's grace. And if it's hard for us to like go and get out of our comfort zone. If like we can't get to that place where we're like fully appreciative and thankful for what God has done for us. If we're... If we are fully aware of the sinfulness that we've come from and what God has saved us from and what God is doing in our lives, it's just kind of a natural outflow then to say, everybody that I love and care about around me, I want to be there for you too. I want to be there for you too when you're struggling through this. I don't want to see you go down this road. I care and love for you. Love you. And so I'm going to I want to lead you in this direction as well and help you and encourage you. And then it's, it's in the end, a genuine understanding of God's grace where he looks and he's touched 
with his mouth as a symbolic act to kind of demonstrate that, yes, you can speak. Yes, you can go. Yes, you have been cleansed and healed of your sin. And uh, it says in verse 6, or it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And this is the picture that finally he embraces the grace of God and hears the response. God doesn't even have to like prompt him at this moment. He's looking around and says, who will go? He says, here I am, send me, send me. That's his response. There's a story I heard um, from a pastor that was demonstrating this point, talking about how... um, there was uh, somebody that attended the, uh, his church for the first time, and he was kind of like, uh, you would do the normal routine. We kind of do it here at our church where after the service is over, the pastor kind of goes to the door, shakes everybody's hand, says hi, says bye, and everybody kind of like lies to the pastor and says, that was a wonderful sermon. And then they walk out, and they're like, eh, I've heard better. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of does that little little wedding reception line a little bit. And he had this this kind of experience, and there was one of the guys that showed up, that, that, that this new guy walked by, came through the line, and said to the pastor, he says, that was a wonderful sermon. By the way, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? And the pastor was like, all right, buddy, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and he like kind of moved along the line. And then um, next week, guy's back. And same thing, you know, end of the service routine. They're walking through, and the guy comes up, and he walks by the pastor. He says, Pastor, great message. You know what? The answer is yes. Now let me ask you, what's the question? And the guy's like, hey, thanks. Have a great day. I don't know what you're doing. You know, and, and like third week happens again. Same guy comes back and shows up through the line and says, Pastor, the answer is yes. Now what is the question? And the pastor's finally like, all right, we need to get together and we need to talk. So like set up an appointment for coffee or whatever. And then they sit down and they meet. And the guy says, listen, God has changed my life the last few weeks. And I just want you to know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about it, but the answer is yes. I know I need to do something. So if it's helping with the kids, if it's helping here at the church, if it's cleaning up, I, I don't know what the question is, but the answer is yes, so you call me, Pastor, whatever it may be. What a powerful picture. And that's the picture that kind of concludes and it leads to, all these prayers lead to. Is Will you get to a point in time in your relationship with God where you say, God, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Whatever you have for me, whatever is next, whatever like you want me to do, the answer is yes. And God, just tell me what the question is. Here I am. Send me.
Do you have the courage to pray this dangerous prayer? Will you join me in prayer? God, I'm so thankful for these moments. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be among friends and to enjoy breakfast and to celebrate Mother's Day and all this stuff. God, I'm thankful that there's been so many people in my life that have helped me along. I'm glad that there's a place like this for me. It's changed my life. God, it's my prayer that you'd help me to get to that point where the answer is yes. You'd help me to get to that point in my maturity where it's not just about me. It's about others. God, I know in our community, right here in this room, in our neighborhood, in the school that we meet in, there's people that are really hurting and are really lost. God, I pray that we'd be the shining light, that we'd be that voice, we would be that example that you could send us you could count on us I invite you to continue to think about that prayer if you're bold enough to pray that prayer here I am send me do that right now Reflect on what that means. We're going to sing another song, but um, I encourage you to continue to pray that prayer throughout the week as we've encouraged you to do so with all these prayers. And maybe this is one of those prayers that needs to be a a long-term, regular part of who you are. Just saying, God, I can be that person. You can count on me. Let's continue to pray, continue to reflect as we sing this last song.